Now the Philistines gathered their armies for battle. They were gathered at Soko, which belongs to Judah, and encamped between Soko and Azekah and Ephes Demim. Saul and the Israelites gathered and encamped in the valley of Elah and formed ranks against the Philistines. The Philistines stood on the mountain on the one side, and Israel stood on the mountain on the other side, with a valley between them. And there came out from the camp of the Philistines a champion named Goliath of Gath, whose height was six cubits and a span. He had a helmet of bronze on his head, and he was armed with a coat of mail. The weight of the coat was 5,000 shekels of bronze. He had greaves of bronze on his legs and a javelin of bronze slung between his shoulders. The shaft of his spear was like a weaver's beam, and his spearhead weighed 600 shekels of iron, and his shield-bearer went before him. He stood and shouted to the ranks of Israel, "'Why have you come out to draw up for battle? Am I not a Philistine? Are you not servants of Saul?' Choose a man for yourselves and let him come down to me. If he is able to fight me and kill me, then we will be your servants. But if I prevail against him and kill him, then you shall be our servants and serve us. And the Philistines said, Today I defy the ranks of Israel. Give me a man that we may fight together. When Saul and Israel heard these words of the Philistine, they were dismayed. And greatly afraid. This is the word of the Lord. Will you pray with me? Gracious and holy God, Lord, we give you thanks for the ways that you have been speaking to our hearts already. And now, as your word has been read and as it is proclaimed, we ask, O oh God, that you would implant your word deep into our very being. Use my words or speak in spite of my words, but God, we await a word from you today. And may the words of my mouth and may the meditation of all of our hearts be acceptable in your sight, O Lord, our strength and our redeemer. Amen. So we're talking about facing a giant and how to be calm and courageous even when facing a giant. Let me set this scene up for you just a bit. The Philistines lived west of Israel uh, by the Mediterranean Sea. The Philistines were one of the groups that as the, uh, as the Israelites moved into the promised land, they were never quite able to completely conquer those folks. And so there were frequent battles between the Philistines and the Israelites in that borderland in between the two. Well, word got out that the Philistines had taken Soko, which is an Israeli city. And here they were gathering together for another battle in order to push even further into Israel. And so it was that King Saul gathered his army and took them out in order to meet the Philistine army. And they, they camped just across from them. One was on one mountain, one was on the other. And there they camped and they began to make their battle plans, right? What is going to be the best way to attack the Philistines? <clears throat> Should they wait for the Philistine aggression? Or, or should they go full throttle ahead and try to recapture the city? 
Should they try to go around a rear flank and do some sort of an ambush? They, they had lots of options. And so as they were there, they, they were probably, King Saul was contemplating which of those was going to be the best way to recapture their city. And then <laughs> enter the giant. The giant, he, the, the giant comes out of this really high tension time. And he's huge. Like Leanne said, the scripture says six cubit in a span. So that's about nine feet tall. And he's covered head to toe in armor. And his armor alone, it says 5,000 shekels. That's about 100 pounds of armor that he's wearing. He has a helmet of bronze and he has leg coverings of bronze, a huge spear Just the head of the spear, we're told, weighs 600 shekels, about 15 pounds. It's a big guy, well-armored. And here's what he was able to accomplish. He, He was able to accomplish drawing King Saul and the army away from planning the way that they wanted to do battle and to focus only on him. He set new rules of battle. When he walked out into that valley in between the mountains, he determined the rules. The giant said, you send a man down here to fight me, and if if they win, we'll be your servants, and if I win, which of course I will, you're going to become our servants. He he redirected the whole scene only to him. Because you know, friends, giants are big, (laughs) Giants are scary. Giants are those things that make us focus only on them. And you don't even see the other options. Because King Saul and the army, they had other options. They could say, nope, we're going to refuse this invitation to one-on-one combat. Nope, we're going to send a whole contingent of people down and together they will take care of that giant. But the giant blurred all that, and all they could focus on was the giant. So giants make you focus only on them, and giants also seem to cause memory loss. Israel were God's chosen people, and God has seen them through bigger battles than this before. Could they not remember that when they first crossed over into the promised land, all they had to do to take this highly fortified city of Jericho was march around it and do what God said, and the walls, you know, they came a-tumbling down. God had taken them um, when Pharaoh's whole army was pursuing them as they left Egypt. As they got to the Red Sea, God opened it up. Did they remember any of that? Did they remember that they were a nation only because God had called them to be a nation? Well, in other times, the army might have said, you know, this is a good time for prayer. (laughs) Why don't we call out to God and see how God would have us do this? But the thing about giants, not only do they make you focus only on them, it seems to have erasing memory of God's faithfulness, all they can see was the giant in front of them, haranguing them, teasing them, taunting them, and we're told causing them dismay and fear. 
The story then shifts, if you continue reading in verses about uh, 12 to 32, the story shifts over to the young boy shepherd of David. He has several of his brothers that are fighting in the army along with King Saul, but David is the youngest of seven brothers, and and it is his job during this time of of war to to be the shepherd of the flock uh, for his family. And from time to time, his dad will load him up with provisions, and he'll take uh, food and some other provisions to his brothers who are fighting um, along with King Saul. And so it is that, that, that young David takes those provisions and goes, and as he's approaching the army, he hears the giant Goliath making those taunts um, to the army that he had done so many times. And David must wonder about that. You know, as the youngest of eight, and, and his job had been that of a shepherd. And let me just say, so any of you teenagers that may think your first job doesn't really prepare you maybe for the real world, well, it sure did in David's case. Because David had become accustomed to having to think on his feet. He had to know how to recognize danger And he used the weapons that he would have at hand to protect himself and his flock when he would be out in the wilderness with the flock. He was not one who would just stand by in the face of danger. He would do something. He would take action. And so as David gets closer, we pick back up in verse 32 of chapter 17. David said to Saul, Let no one's heart fail because of him. Your servant will go and fight with this Philistine. Saul said to David, you are not able to go against this Philistine to fight with him. You are just a boy and he has been a warrior from his youth. But David said to Saul, your servant used to keep sheep for his father. And whenever a lion or a bear came and took a lamb from the flock, I went after it and struck it down rescuing the lamb from its mouth. And if it turned against me, I would catch it by the jaw, strike it down and kill it. Your servant has killed both lions and bears, and this uncircumcised Philistine shall be like one of them, since he has defiled the armies of the living God. David said, the Lord who saved me from the paw of the lion and from the paw of the bear will save me from the hand of this Philistine. So Saul said to David, go and may the Lord be with you. You see this giant Goliath, he had not only thrown at that challenge, but for 40 days we're told, two times every day he had been out there issuing this same challenge. It is really difficult to be calm and courageous when you frequently have the giant yelling directly at you. But David, young David, comes and reminds King Saul that Goliath, the giant, may be big, but God is bigger. David brought with him a fresh perspective his, his memory of what God is able to do had not yet been stolen by just focusing strictly on the giant. He remembers God's faithfulness to him when his work as a shepherd. They needed this new perspective. 
not a perspective that talked about how big the giant is, but that as David brought up, the real issue is that you are allowing and standing by letting this giant direct all the energy on the field while belittling God and God's people. You know, sometimes we need a fresh pair of eyes um, to, to redirect a group when the group has lost its focus. For the army, all they could see was the giant, a big giant. And they had let this giant steal their focus because that was all they could see. They had allowed the giant to give them a memory lapse about God's faithfulness. All they could see was a giant, only the giant, a really big giant, and they were dismayed and greatly afraid. But David, from his perspective, comes up and sees an arrogant bully and a target that is too big to miss. And so it is that that Saul says, go ahead and fight him. And so Saul tries to help him out and, and he puts all of his armor on young David and David can barely move. Their armor is so heavy. That's not what he's accustomed to. And so David looked around and picked up five smooth stones and had a sling. And he said, this is how I will go and fight for us. And and as he walks out onto the field, he tells Goliath, you come to me with a sword and a spear and a javelin, but I come to you in the name of the Lord of hosts, the God of the armies of Israel. This very day, the Lord will deliver you into my hand. And then my favorite words, right? So that all the earth may know there is a God in Israel and that this assembly may know that the Lord does not save by sword and spear for the battle is the Lord's and he will give you into our hands. And so as as the giant Goliath is throwing out his taunts at this, as this young boy walks out on the field um, and he's telling him what he's going to do. And David says, yeah, no, you're not. You know, you see those buzzards up there? They're going to actually come down and feast on your flesh here in just a minute. And as Goliath turned his gaze up to look at that, the smallest amount of flesh shone through that armor and David had his target and off went the stone, hit the giant right in the forehead, and down he went. The giant was defeated, not with those tools that the giant insisted on using, but with ingenuity and faithfulness and five smooth stones. Goliath never even saw it coming. He went the way of all giants that that go when those around them stop believing their lies and stop looking at the inadequacies that the giant is pointing out and look to see things the way that the living God sees them, the gifts and the capabilities that are there. They may not be much, But in the hands of the living God, just enough 
it's more than enough, for the battle is the Lord's. As the song that Connection sang, the voice of truth tells us it matters which voice you listen to when you're facing giants and other obstacles. I think about our situation right now and a big giant uh, that, that I see us facing is that giant called powerlessness. Powerlessness. That giant says, you know what, you can't stop the virus. You can't save the economy. You can't know the future. It's a, a taunting voice that says you can't do anything. And when our focus is there, it's really hard to see what our options are. We also can have a memory loss of God's faithfulness for us in the past we might lose our memory of the goodness of others that are around us. The power that we do have for good. I, I have seen you guys reclaiming power from this giant of powerlessness. You do it through your Zoom small groups and supporting each other even as you share together spiritually. I've seen it in the way that you pick up the phone and you call each other. Some folks you know well, some folks you barely know, but your heart is just stirred to maybe pick up the phone and call them that day. I've seen some really ingenious ways of visiting while social distancing. You've gone and you've gotten groceries for each other. You've donated blood. You've cut your own hair. Now, I might say a word about that, but, but I won't. It's, in, you know, it's showing some real ingenuity at least. I've seen you contributing uh, food, uh, funds to HAM and to the Houston Food Bank. I've seen our weekday learning center teachers going online and show, doing the cutest lessons for all those little preschool kids um, and joining them together and letting them know that they matter. I've seen the public school teachers that are engaging with their students through preparing lessons in really difficult circumstances when they've got their own family at home, out there delivering Chromebooks in the Humble ISD. We have some that are currently making face coverings for other people. Um, there are some that have already shared stimulus checks if they haven't been needed by their own families. And then there was those, those wonderful t-shirts, Leanne's wearing one today, that when the church leaves the building, Jesus goes viral. It's another way of saying the giant may be big, but God is bigger my question for you this morning as you, as you think in your own life, what, where is a new perspective? Where is a fresh memory of God's grace and the help and the goodness of others that have helped you? Where has that helped you to tear your view of the giant away? Where, where are those moments, those people, those remembrances of God's grace, that fresh perspective? How has it helped you to not focus only on this giant of powerlessness. 
And, and how have you been maybe the David who brings that fresh perspective to help someone else shift the perspective off of the giant and onto what may be a great new opportunity? You know, generations later, after this story, there was a man who was in the line of David who faced the giant that was a cross, the Roman form of execution, a painful, humiliating death. And where others saw only the giant, Jesus saw the triumph of God over the powers of sin and death. He saw the instrument of salvation of God. And what appeared to be a giant symbol of failure became the symbol for us of our risen Lord that even these 2,000 years later, we still display to remind us in Paul's words in Romans 8 that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us and that neither death nor life nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all of creation will be able to take away, separate us from the love of Christ in Christ Jesus our Lord. All of us face giants, big giants, giants that want us to focus only on them to believe we have no other options, that give us memory loss, that cause dismay and fear, to be calm and courageous in the face of the giants in our lives. We all need that fresh perspective of David from time to time to redefine that battle, to remind us of who we are in Christ and who God is, to help us to gain perspective, to speak boldly, to remember that the Lord has saved me from the paw of the lion and the paw of the bear and will save me from this hand of the Philistine, that we are more than conquerors through him who loves us and that giants are big, but God is bigger. Let us pray. Holy God, Whatever giant we are facing this day, we pray that you will tear our eyes off of the giant that taunts us and turn our eyes toward our Lord Jesus. Help us to hear his voice. Help that to give us power. We pray in Christ's name. Amen.